Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Bias Check-In. Hi, everyone. Thank you for tuning in. Claudia, what are we checking in with this week? We are checking in with a lot of things. But before we jump to our main course, a little bit of housekeeping. You'll know uh, we are using this summer to travel, travel, travel and do the most, as always. But something we have talked about at length before and something we are going to implement that I'm taking from my European roots is that August is a break month. So this is your FYI. We will now be popping up on your queues for the next couple of weeks. But we'll be happy to see you all in September, which, let's be real, is the actual New Year's Eve months for all businesses and everyone. So that's my little bit of housekeeping to get us started. But Susie, you've got some news of your own. Talking about New Year's and September is starting something new and fresh. I am going back to graduate school. Woo! I will be doing the Master's in Business Analytics program at DePaul, still in Chicago. But yeah, trying something new. Let's see how we do. So the subtext here is get rid for so, so many puns with horns, devils, and all circles of statistical hell because Susie will be deep into the numbers and Excel spreadsheets for the next months, more than a couple of months. And, you, you know, I do not waste a chance for a good pun. And with that, our content might be changing a little bit. We'll be doing more I.O., more businessy, more analytics. We'll, we'll see where it takes us, but I'm very excited. I am very excited to hear what you will report back from the classroom. Seems that we are, well, we, BCI is going back to school. At least half of it. At least half of it. Very, very excited for all the things that the fall is going to bring us. But for right now, it's the hottest month ever. So let's get to our topic for this episode. And when I say it's the hottest month ever, I'm not saying this in a Barbie way. I'm saying more in a Oppenheimer, this is the end of the world way. And while we record, I have the AC blasting. If you hear in the background, no, you didn't. My head is in the fridge. And, you know, today is the hottest day since um, yesterday. And it's probably not as hot as tomorrow is going to be. So let's look at how the environment, work, climate change overlap and what organizations can do, what they're doing and what they should do about it. First of all, Let's check on that. Should companies do something about the environment? Yes. Corporate social responsibility is the idea that a business has a responsibility to the society that exists around it. As no person is an island, much less an organization, and they have a huge impact on the communities where their goods are produced, where they source materials, where they are. The other expressions that you may have heard to indicate this are a company's social impact, corporate pledges, or my personal favorite is the triple bottom line, profit, people, planet. In that order, most of the time, but when it comes to the planet part of the equation, exactly how much of an impact are we talking about? 
Well, some five, six years ago, we knew that just 100 companies in the world are responsible for 71% of the fossil fuel pollution. More recently, though, as in of last month, a report was published showing that only 22% of the world's top 500 companies are aligned with the Paris Agreement. For comparison, that percentage was 18% in 2018, and its growth is slowing down. Almost half, or 45% of the same top 500 companies, are aligned with producing a warming up of at least 2.7 degrees Celsius, which you may notice is basically a disastrous level of warming up that could expose billions of people to dangerously hot conditions. And if that sounds familiar... It's probably because it should be. Researchers started sounding the alarms and conducting studies as early as the beginning of the 1800s. Through the decades and various scientific developments, we have believed quite a few peculiar theories. Like the one where rain follows the plow, aka it will not rain until you tend to your field. Others, though, we were pretty on the money with. Back in the 1820s, we figured out the greenhouse effect and that humans certainly can have an impact on the environment for the better or for the worse. Not only we figured it out, you know, two centuries ago, companies have since gone as far as using their supposed contributions to fighting environmental pollution as marketing ploys to attract more clients in an advertising spin that's called greenwashing or green screen. Think of the, well, we are fast fashion producers, but we really care. So if you bring us back your old clothes to recycle, you get a 10% discount to spend with us. Or the products which indicate that their price has increased because of environmental efforts. Like paying a bit more for your flight to have it be greener. Like, how does that even work? Why am I paying more for nothing? On the other hand, some company brands are actively doing poorly and not even hiding it. The Exxons, the Volkswagen of the world, where the very name is synonymous for pollution. And it's not only companies in fossil fuels, gas, cars. Like, of course, those are easy to point to. But some other well-known fins list show food super conglomerate Nestlé, for example, which is kind of the devil made into a company. But we can jump down that rabbit hole in another episode. They brought down entire countries. It's a whole thing. Among its many, 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 many sins... One of the most well-documented is the deforestation and the endangering of both the Amazon and South Asian forests to harvest palm oil. If you think, oh, orangutans are cute, take a picture. They might not be here tomorrow, and it's thanks to them. Remember when for a couple of years we all freaked out that bees might go extinct? Monsanto, the company responsible for most pesticides and agricultural chemicals in North America, is another known entity when it comes to climate crimes. They were probable suspect number one and are linked to soil degradation 
water pollution, and irreversible changes to the North American ecosystem. I mean, we're not friends or fans of bugs in our homes, but I can admit that they are very much needed in the ecosystem. And last negative example for this episode, but far from least and far from an exhaustive list, the devil is in the convenience. Amazon. Between the cheap production, hard to recycle or to break down materials and packaging, the gas emissions from transportation, and the heat of a thousand suns that the Amazon servers produce, it is likely the company with the highest volume of emissions and the number one producer of non-recyclable materials that we've mentioned so far. It's easy to see how each of these known offenders contribute significantly to these issues and are responsible for a higher percentage of the overall impact on our planet. But it would be remiss to either blame only these known offenders and be think that they aren't more companies and individuals out there trying to course correct for themselves and their industries. So we also wanted to highlight some great examples of companies and what they have done to reduce their footprint. None of these companies are sponsoring us, but if they would like to, if any of their PR staff are listening to us, you're more than welcome to reach out. Just saying. The email will be at the end. Starting with one of probably the most well-known examples, this is one of the best stocks according to a lot of environmental investors, Patagonia. They've long worn their environmental pledges on their metaphorical and literal sleeves. Actually, in it, they recently vowed to move away from virgin petrol fibers, which, if you're not into the chemistry of clothing like I am, are the ones which can easily make your outdoorsy clothes, water, weather-resistant, windbreakers, and they also make them last longer. Patagonia is going to completely move away by 2025. Once fully implemented, this change alone could reduce their footprint by 80%. And it is also actively already reducing their margins. The fibers that they're using instead of the virgin petrol ones are both more sustainable and more expensive to source. So this is a really big step for them to take. Another example a bit out of the expected for us. Cheers to New Belgium Brewing. They divert 98.9% of their waste from landfills. They are doing so by both focusing on energy efficiency and in using materials which can be more easily upcycled and recycled. They are also very outspoken in climate change advocacy and in pro-climate business coalitions within and beyond the brewing industry. Once more, would not hate that kind of partnership or sponsorship. So here's to manifesting. Last honorable mention for now goes to IBM. Their main approach to reducing impact is not only to work in, but to contract to greener buildings so they can offset the significant impact of their servers, their technology, and some of the materials that go into it. Another aspect that I really like of this example and that IBM has going for them is that they prioritize the environment and showcase their green 
imprints since the 1960s. They were one of the pioneer companies in looking at the impact they could have on the environment. The 1960s is also when they first published a public report of all of their actions and consequences and a strategic plan to grow in a more conscious and sustainable way. But if you do not work at Patagonia, IBM, New Belgiums of the world, where can you start to evaluate whether your company or a potential future company is doing their part or are they greenwashing or do they just need a little push in the right direction? Well, first thing first, we need to diagnose. We need to realize how much an organization consumes and wastes in energy, materials, how much greenhouse gas emissions do they produce. Even when working for a service provider rather than, say, a manufacturing company, we can have an impact and we cannot reduce it if we don't know where we're starting from. Now, this information is often not publicly available or not that accessible. It's usually hidden in internal annual reports or is available upon request to employees. So do you know how much your company currently pollutes? And when you know that, the second step would be to learn where is the energy we use coming from. This type of change is not one that an individual could drive over a short amount of time. But if you're a decision maker, a leader, or have room to advocate for green initiatives, upgrading the company's structures and space is something to consider. You might work for a company which does not have its own building, but contracts out. Are greener buildings being considered when renewing leases? Are they being prioritized? It is a way to vote with our money, with our company's money actually, and can be supported in advocacy efforts with both clients and with local government affairs efforts in lobbying. And we know we're preaching to the choir, but also, do you have a hybrid or a remote work program? One of the effects is that it cuts down on commutes and unnecessary travel emissions. Some workplaces favor local transport benefit programs, They will have a transport allowance or some kind of tax deductible plan. Or they offer employee support for bike shares, ride shares, anything to reduce the amount of cars that need to move each day for people to be in the office. Along the same line, reducing material waste. For example, does that agenda really need to be printed for everyone? Are those paper archives something that anyone actually has a reason for keeping in this format? Or could we scan what we actually need to keep and Marie Kondo the rest? Material waste does not stop with redundancy of papers. Where do our other supplies come from? Who we choose can be an environmental choice or not. Same as the material waste Claudia was just talking about. Is there an option that is better for us and... For the environment? Does it necessarily cost more? Are we actively looking out for the environment-friendly suppliers? Claudia, you just had a work example of this. I did, and that was not anything I would have really thought of if a client had not brought it up. 
But you know when you go to conferences, you get there the first day, go to the reg desk, and they have those name tags. We have all of the little uh, tags for it, all of the stickers like speaker, staff, first time attendee, insert acronym here of your chosen industry. Did you have space for any more tags on your sign-out badge last year? I mean, if I tried, probably, maybe, uh, it would have taken some effort. But yes. Well, they are made of plastic and they're made of the kind of plastic that will be here long after that conference proceedings have been published, gone and forgotten. So even just thinking of all of the ones that are produced every single time, and I can promise you there's always leftover ones. I recently had a coworker um, retire. She was organizing and working at conferences for 20 years. I cannot describe the amount of badges she amassed over two decades. And for each event that she went to, you know, a couple other hundred people did. And there's always more events happening. So we recently had a client actually ask us to look into bamboo-based conference badges and lanyards so that they can be more environmentally friendly. They're definitely more expensive than the plastic ones, but our client wants to prioritize that and I give them kudos for it because I would have just not thought of it. I have accumulated about three, four, two <laughs> conference badges and lanyards. And aside of taking it home as a souvenir, yeah, what else do you do with it? Yeah, a solution, an alternative. I'll report back after this client event and see if they're that radically different or if it's a smaller life change, if anyone is curious. But yeah, like little things like that, once you start looking at them, it's like, holy cow, we produce a lot of things and a lot of things can be little switches for a big impact. Sigh up, I'm looking at you. Yeah, if anyone from Sayo Procurement is listening, I will gladly put you in contact with this company. Again, we're not sponsored. So we'll see. Maybe we'll start getting sponsored by big bamboo industry. But with that, I am done manifesting sponsorships for this episode. And we will get off of our bamboo soapbox for right now. Let us know what you think, what your company is doing or not doing. Is environmental sustainability something you actively look for in your company or maybe something that you'll start looking into more? As you know, the apocalypse is kind of coming on to us. Slide into our DMs with your hot takes or fresh perspectives, whichever side of the spectrum you're on, on Instagram, Facebook and X, X Twitter. <laughs> Elon, please make up your mind. At Bias Check-In Podcast. Leave us a voice note on Spotify and generally let us know what you think. Long form thoughts can be sent to our inbox at info at biascheckin.com. And with that, enjoy your summer break. I mean, our summer break. I mean, we'll be traveling. We'll see you in September. Reach out through social media. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.